Great to see you today. Well, actually, I can't see you, but you can see me. And I want to wish you just a great Thanksgiving, a great Thanksgiving, a great start with our worship team leading us to God. He's the one to whom all thanks belongs because he is the author of all good things. And I hope you have a great Thanksgiving with your friends, with your family today, with a heart that is free and a heart that is good. And we're going to be talking about some of that today. We've been uh, in this series talking about Reboot, and of course you know that Reboot usually refers to either a phone, a cell phone, or a computer, or something like that, and it means that you shut it down, you turn it off, and then you restart it. You start it over again, because stuff accumulates in there. Sometimes, you know, the whole thing needs to be restarted. We need to get rid of cookies, which is what I'm going to be talking about today. So, very important thing. Now, here's the question I want to start with. How many of you like cookies? Anybody of you love cookies? Like, you know, that would be your main course every day. You'd eat them 24-7 if you had the chance. I like cookies, okay? I really do. I make cookies, and I love them, actually. But if you Google cookies, you find all kinds of stuff. And, of course, just every imaginable cookie and some that you could never imagine. There's also a, a girls' band over in Hong Kong called Cookies, so you might pick up a picture of them. Uh, the term cookie actually started here in North America back in the early 1700s, and it was spelled differently. Uh, it was spelled, it was actually came from the Dutch K-O-E-K-J-E-S, and uh, these were little snacks that were provided for a funeral back in 1703 in New York City. And then, of course, the name came from that. And then the Cookie Monster came along, and we all know about the Cookie Monster, okay? term uh, cookie actually got imported into the uh, computer industry, and it actually started out back in 1994. A guy by the name of Lou Montali, who was a web browser programmer for, you know, the biggest, you know, net company back then, you know, internet company back then, Netscape, which no longer exists, it's kind of a takeoff on fortune cookies. And if you've ever had a fortune cookie, you know what it is. It's kind of this sweet little treat that you get. And then you open it up, and of course, there's a, there's a secret message inside. And so the problem they were having was that cook, you know, computers didn't have really good memories, and so they needed reminders. And so what they would do is they would send something sweet. You're in a website. You're looking for something sweet, something you know, that you like and so on. And then there would be a little bit of code that was embedded, kind of like a fortune cookie that would actually come into your computer. Now, um, and, and these computers, those uh, cookies stay in your computer until you give it kind of a digital laxative or something like that to get rid of them all. Now, the sinister side of this and the sneaky side of this came out in a Netflix, a Netflix movie called The Social Dilemma. And what happened is some of the high-profile people who were part of, you know, Google and Facebook and so on revealed that there is a level of control that goes on that you and I don't even suspect or know about. In other words, like, let's say, you know, you, you know, you're a vaxxer and you don't like anti-vaxxers and stuff like this. So, so if you look that up, then it will tell you why all the anti-vaxxers are crazy and so on. And it will go in that direction. If you're an anti-vaxxer, then, you know, it will tell you why all the people who get this virus are probably going to die. So it, it skews things in that direction. And I'm not in tending to make any kind of a division there. But I'm just saying that these kind of cookies get into our computer and, they, and they, hurt, uh, they hurt the direction that we're going on, okay? See, and so what happens is when you get going down one trail, you ask yourself the question, well, what's wrong with them? Aren't they seeing what I'm seeing? And the truth is, they're not. Because what you're seeing has been skewed. Now, here's my point, okay? And I actually do have one, okay? In some way, the forces of darkness, as the prophets call them, are always looking for something to attach to. 
And uh, remember our talk a few weeks ago, we talked about the devil's campground. We're talking, dealing with, with forgiveness. There are things like resentment and lust and jealousy and unforgiveness that actually, you know, forces of darkness can attach themselves to and kind of import themselves into our lives. It gives them a foothold. It, uh, it gives kind of a, a staging ground for conquering us and taking over us. And I'll tell you how this works, you know. Um, the fear thing, we talked about that. You ever gotten to a point in your life where you ask the question, what was I thinking? Where you do something and, and, and it just it doesn't even make sense to you, let alone to anybody else. And of course, that's the problem many times. We weren't thinking. And the problem with asking that question, what was I thinking, is that we never stopped to answer it. <laughs> if we answered the question, it would probably help us. Now, the point that I want to make this morning is that there are these cookies in us. There are these things that we have somehow imported into our lives that, that are affecting grace and affecting our gratitude component. And typically, resentment and fear. And so, that's what we're going to deal with. Now, I just want us to all firm something together here at the start, okay? Here's the first one. Our culture, the world system, is not a neutral source of information. Now, can we all agree on that? It's not a neutral source of information. It, it has biased ideas and information and attitudes and suggestions, and if that's all you get in your life, you're going to be swayed over to that side because it's biased. This biased system you know, sends cookies into the operating system of our lives, and it says, this is what normal people believe. This is what normal people do and don't do. You know, this is what normal people value or don't value. And those cookies, if we're not careful, can skew our ideas of what is right and, and not right. And what happens, you remember uh, probably the illustration I gave a number of years ago, or probably months ago, it's kind of get a rat in the well. You know, and it doesn't make any difference, you know, how nice the water is and how clear it looks. If you've got a rat in your well, you know, it's going to be contaminated and you're not going to want to drink it. And the problem is that we drink out of that well every day of our lives. And if it's contaminated with biased information, then that's going to be a problem. Now, uh, most of you know Peter, big fisherman, disciple of Jesus, leader of the early church. And he was the one that got up and spoke to that crowd that was out there gathered in Jerusalem, you know, on the day of Pentecost, 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. Now, you have to understand, he's talking to the most religious people in the world. They were all gathered there for a religious celebration, and he confronts them. He says, you killed your Messiah. God sent his king, his anointed king here, and you killed him. You nailed him to a cross. But the good news is that God has used, God is going to use that to turn things around. And because of him, there's forgiveness. Now, when he talked to them like that, they, the question that came back says they were cut to the heart. It says, what do we need to do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time. So, you know, I come in, a, in another line of people who speak for a long time, okay? Listen to this. Strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now, he wasn't saying that the people of the generation were a bunch of crooks. He's just basically saying that's built on a skewed foundation. 
and it's going to create problems. Now, the word I want you to notice here that uh, Peter uses is the word repent, and it sounds kind of old-fashioned, like some old guy with a long beard, you know, holding up a sign, right? And so many times we just gloss right over it without even thinking about it. And that's a problem because it actually means to rethink things. Metanoia is the word that's used. That's when we bring out the pots and pans here. That's the Greek word. And it means to rethink your life, to think it through, to change the way you think. Um, This uh, Henry Cloud has written a book called Never Go Back, and it means kind of the same thing. In other words, if you can see things as they are, you will never go back. Now, if you've been watching our Instagram uh, devotionals and so on, I talked recently about I was using this weed eater and went underneath this rock and it unleashed a whole bunch of wasps and I got stung several times. Worst one was one of them got right down on my glove and kept stinging me until I finally was able to squish it. So I'm never going to go back. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going to do that again. It's too painful to do that. I repented. That's what it means. It's a dumb thing. Don't go back to it. Now, Peter went on, apparently went on in some detail for quite some time telling people, you need to see that the world system that you live in is corrupted. It's skewed in a bad direction. After uh, years of leading the church, Peter writes more about this in a letter to uh, followers of Jesus. And he says this, by his divine power, in other words, by the Holy Spirit, by sending the Holy Spirit into our lives, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know Him. In other words, not just know about Him, get information about Him, but actually know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His glorious glory, by marvelous glory and excellence. And it goes on, it says, because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, the next few verses here are amazing because he talks about the character qualities that we need to build into our lives. And this is what he says. He says, these will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. He says, if you build these into your lives, you'll never fall. Fantastic. Now, we're going to be doing a series of that starting in February of uh, 2022. So, you know, hang in there, okay? But this is just amazing, amazing information. Now, He's saying if this kind of thing is going to happen, we need to escape from the corruption of the world system caused by human desires, okay? Now, human desires are given to us by God. They're not bad things. They're not necessarily evil things. We all have desires. Uh, Sexual desires are very normal, okay? But our world system basically says, well, whatever you do is okay just so, you know, it's consensual. Well, that's not okay because it's not true. The desire for comfort, very normal, very normal, okay? But this gets skewed off, and our world system says, well, comfort has to do with, you know, basically avoiding pain and having everything go your way and buying everything that you want. Well, that's, that's skewed off. It's a, it's a wrong thing, and if you try to fulfill that desire, it's going to be a problem. The desire for affirmation and self-esteem, it's very normal. But the world system will tell us it's skewed off in the direction of, well, this means being right. It means being more beautiful and successful than other people, you know? And you need to do whatever you need to do to make that happen. It's skewed off in the wrong direction, you know? Financial security, that's not a bad thing. Bible talks about that. 
But giving money the power to decide where you're going to live, what you're going to drive, what you're going to have, and how you're going to live your life, whether you're going to be a workaholic or not, that's wrong. It's a skewed desire. It gets off in the wrong direction. So these desires that we have are good desires. But when they get skewed off in a way that is selfish, that means that we have cookies. And you can look at it like this, okay? Uh, I brought this cookie. It's carefully wrapped in a cellophane wrapper so it doesn't get contaminated. And the problem is we love cookies. Me love cookies. That's cookie monster, right? And the problem is that the cookies that we come into our lives, you know, uh, especially from the culture, from how it tells us to use the desires, you know, it's got a little thing in it. You probably know what this is. This is a, this is, you know, a little drive that goes in there. And so it's not just the cookie. There's messages hidden in this, and they come through the stuff that we use every day, you know, TV and social media and, and our phones and iPads and everything like that. Now, so you need a level of truth. You need truth to counteract, you know, it's kind of anti-venom for the venom, you know, for, you know, the contamination, the corruption that comes with these cookies, okay? And, this, and Peter goes on in this book to tell us about that. He says this, he says, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. And above all, listen to this, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. And he says, you better pay attention to this like light in a dark place because you need some kind of light being shown on the cookies, on the wrong information that you're going to get into your life if you don't have another source of truth. Now, Here's how the cookies fit into this, okay? We all have these desires, sexual desires, the desire for affirmation, the desire, you know, to have what we need for security, for have a full tummy, all these different things, okay? The sweet part of the cookie tells you what you want to hear. The sweet part of the cookie, you know, will tell you that you're right. But what makes cookies potentially dangerous is that there's information in those cookies that skews it off in the wrong direction. It's embedded in them. And it leads you to another website, just like, you know, cookies do in your computer. If you've been around uh, computers very long, you know that there's such a thing as rogue cookies. Some cookies, it's kind of like, you know, where you, you know, it remembers your PIN number for your, you know, finance accounts or things like that. But there are things, there are corrupt cookies called Trojans, and they get into your computer, and I'll tell you, they can wreck everything. Because there's all this bad information in there. And I'll tell you, if you think a computer is sensitive to corrupt uh, kind, of, kind of cookies coming in and so on. <laughs> our mind, our heart is way more sensitive than that. And that's why we have to be careful. That's why Jesus said, be really careful with your heart. Be really careful with your heart. Solomon, he says, you know, guard your heart because it's the well that you drink out of every day. Now let me bring this kind of into the, into the uh, context where we are right now. For the past 19 months, our computers and our cell phones and our TVs have been pretty much our source of information and communication. And there's been some face-to-face -face during that time, but most of the information that we've got has come from these sources. Now you need to know I'm not into conspiracy theories at all, okay? Not at all. I, I really am not. But the information has been, has been basically designed to stop the spread of COVID, okay? And I get that. 
I want the spread of COVID to stop. I want to be able to go out and, you know, go where I want to go and wear what I want to wear and so on and go out shopping without wearing a mask. I mean, we all want that, right? We all want that to happen. So what has been part of that information has been kind of a fear cookie. We've been told to stay away from people because they could have COVID cookies. And they said, you get around the wrong people and they might kill you. And then you might kill off somebody that you love and so on. And it's a fear cookie. It's a fear cookie. And that has been, honestly, friends, that's been the dominant message for the past year and a half. Now, I understand why they're doing that, because they want to keep, they want to keep this thing contained. I get that, okay? But you can't eat fear cookies every day for 18 months, 19 months, and be okay. That kind of stuff makes you sick. We are called not to run on fear, but to run on love. In fact, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, you know? So, you know, when abnormal, you know, when normal human desires for sex and pleasure and food and beauty and attention and success and security and money, when they get corrupted by fear and anger and pride and self-interest, it's a bad combination, Okay? And this corruption happens through these cookies, this information that lies in our hearts that's been fed to us, you know, and we don't even think too much about it. They come from a lot of places, okay? Most common cookies are not from Nabisco, you know, the media. Uh, sometimes it's an educational system, a government, you know, I mean, all of this. So, I mean, here's the question. Why am I talking about all this on Thanksgiving? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because the cookies of fear and anger and division and resentment and frustration and bitterness that I'm seeing these days are destructive. And they will destroy your gratitude. They will destroy any Thanksgiving, you know. They have the power to ruin your Thanksgiving dinner and ruin any kind of gratitude through the divisiveness. And they rob you of, of joy and peace and kindness. And I'm telling you, they sabotage our ability to love. And that's what God has called us to. He says that's what we're supposed to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'll tell you what has happened, and I'll tell you what makes this even worse. COVID-19 has kind of become the giant excuse for everybody, you know? And, you know, when somebody, you know, they, they don't do what they say, they're going, oh, it's COVID, you know? And, and so they don't keep their, you know, business open, and the hours that they say they're going, oh, it's COVID, you know? And they don't show up when they say they're going to show up, oh, you know, it's COVID. And it's become kind of this big, you know, excuse for everything that goes wrong. It becomes, you know, the excuse for everything from laziness to resentment. And if you're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God lives in your heart, you are not some helpless victim of a rogue cookie. You aren't. But this can create a problem if you are not watching your desires. Listen to what it says here. Paul talked about, you know, what these desires that are corrupted by these cookies look like. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. In other words, sex is a normal thing. God gave us that desire. But then it turns into sin, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. He says, idolatry, sorcery. You know, we, we want to control. We want to be in control of things. Well, people do this through idolatry and sorcery. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties, and other sins like this. Under Other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, this kind of stuff is inconsistent with living in a kingdom of grace and peace and hope. Now, the world system uh, that creates these cookies will say, well, what? You know, what's the problem with that, you know? I mean, you've just kind of put bad names to normal behavior. This is just kind of the way things are in our world. Well, calling it normal is the problem because that's not the way it was intended to be. You know, think about it. You know, we're told that it's normal to be self-centered and self-preoccupied, you know, and then TV ads tell us be safe and be kind, you know. Uh, Ads tell us, you know, your goodness is your greatness. It's inconsistent, you know. What we don't see is that this kind of stuff comes from the Spirit of God. It's the natural result of Him living in our lives. Listen to what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. This is found in the book of Galatians, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's, that's what He does in our lives. We don't become that way just by hoping we will. Now, how many of you, this says that this is the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you wish that this was the kind of fruit that the people in your life would grow? That they would be patient with you. That they would be loving. That they would be joyful, even when it's a bad day, you know. That they would grow in their lives. I mean, fruit is delicious. I love fruit. I wish I'd love to have these fruit trees growing, you know. Grow me a few of those in my neighborhood and in my home where I work. Here's the problem. We like to eat it. But we like to eat this kind of fruit, okay? But many times we don't want to take the time and the effort that it takes to grow this through the power of the Spirit in our own lives. Here's the problem. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So you got these two opposing forces here, and they're weighted they're weighted on the side of the, of the cookies, that, where the cookies are, which is, you know, the stuff that comes in from our culture. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. It takes the power of the Spirit of God. And here's the thing, you know, if you and I just, you know, take whatever our phones and our TVs and everything decide to feed us on any given day, this stuff carries encoded information and it leads to other pathways, pathways that do not lead to what God wants, in fact, contradict what Jesus said about life and what he says about, you know, life is all about and what we should be doing. Now, let me try to wrap this up, okay, make some sense of it. Now, I know that you and I can let go of our fear because it doesn't come from God, and God has told us, remember what he said, you know, 366 times, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. And the name I am, in other words, uh, that, that comes that he gave to Moses and so on, that's his name. Listen to some of the other connections that it comes. Remember the names? I am your righteousness. In other words, you're, not, you're never going to be perfect, so that's why Jesus and his perfect life is applied to ours. He is the one who actually changes us. 
He says, you know, all the self-effort in, in the world isn't going to do anything. I am the one who sanctifies you, makes you holy. I am with you all the time, every single day. I am your peace. I am your healer and your strength. I am your shepherd. You know, I will come out looking for you because that's what grace does. I will help you to find your way. I will go ahead of you wherever you go, and I will make a way for you. I am your banner. In other words, I've got your back. Whatever battle you find yourself in, I've got your back. This is what Peter says. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious, valuable promises. These are the promises that enable us to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Now, our culture and our world system that go with it, they officially do not believe in God. They officially do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead or that he saves us from our sins. And, you know, when it comes to what the Bible says, it pretty much doesn't believe that it really has anything to do with our lives in the, 24th century, in the 21st century. That's the biggest and most corrupt cookie of all. And in our culture, in, you know, after telling us, you know, this kind of stuff and implying this kind of stuff, says, now you need to be afraid. You need to be very afraid. You need to be really careful, you know, or the whole world's going to be lying in one giant coffin, you know. We're the experts, when we tell you to be afraid, you need to be afraid. Now, you understand what that does to us, okay? Sabotages us. Now, I'm going to talk about some reasons to be grateful today. And if you're looking for one, if you need a reason to be grateful, think about some of these. And the first one is, in our fear-centered world, God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over everything. And this God who is sovereign over anything, who runs the universe without flaw, he loves you more than you love your kids, more than you love anything. That's who he is. Our jobs give us money, okay? Jobs are great, you know, they lead to meaningful activity and so on. But God is the one who provides for his children. It's his job to provide for you. And that's what he said. He said, don't worry about it. Our Savior is a good shepherd. He comes looking for us when we're lost. He always has. He always will. Because, you see, that's what grace does. And he is full of grace and full of truth. You need to know, sometimes we get shamed and haunted by our past. You need to know that your past and my past has been forgiven, been totally washed clean, been to no matter how scummy, you know, or anything it was. He has the power to make it clean and to make us pure again. And right this very second, God is at work in all things in this world. And I'm telling you, he's even at work in this whole thing that we've been experiencing called COVID-19. When this thing hit our planet, God wasn't up in heaven saying, oh my goodness, look what's happening down there. I don't know what I can do. I mean, this, this is, screws up all my plans. I don't know what I'll do. He knew it was coming. And he is at work even in this. And I'm telling you, if he can take the crucifixion of his own son and save the world, he can use something like this pandemic for his own glory somehow in some way. Don't ask me how, but I'm convinced he's going to. Some of you, as you come into Thanksgiving, you're worried about your family because you don't know what this year is going to hold and so on. You're stressed out. Maybe you're even angry. And you need to know that every single family in the Bible that God used was screwed up. It was. Even Jesus' own brothers didn't like him and didn't believe in him until he wrote, uh, died and rose again from the dead. 
So he is able to work in all these things. And I just want to encourage you, as you come to the table today, be grateful for what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Be grateful for the people in your life. None of them are perfect, but neither are you, neither am I. So that's where we need to be. What I want to encourage you not to do and that is to get around the table, the Thanksgiving table, and with your mouth full of food, grumble about life and complain because that is totally unproductive. Now, I'm telling you why I'm saying this. Gratitude, being grateful, has grace as its root word. And I'm telling you, life without grace, you know, leads to bitterness and anger and resentment. How many times have you heard somebody saying during this epidemic, they're a bunch of idiots, why would they do that? Or why would they not be do that? You know, how could they be so stupid? And whether they're talking about the government or talking about the regulations or how people respond to this. And so here's the question, okay? First of all, I just want to, this is one of my drawings. I don't want to miss it. You know, that fear and anger and division and seclusion and frustration and resentment does not lead to grace or kindness or gratitude. So we can agree on that, right? So COVID is the new excuse, and according to this, according to the way things seem to be panning out, you know, idiots are people who don't agree with me. Non-idiots are the people who agree with me. I mean, is that what it's reduced us to? I don't think that's what God wants. The antidote to this is found in the book of Hebrews. Listen to what this says, because this is so important. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to be holy Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And that's what I'm concerned about. Without grace, that's what happens. You see, bitterness has a way of growing in our hearts and it never grows anything right. It never grows anything that's good. So we're to make every effort to do what? Well, to live in unity, to live in unity, to stop calling people names, to stop, you know, judging people by the, on the basis of what they do and whether or not they agree with us, the peop, even the people who are unkind. Because if you miss grace, if you miss grace, you're missing the most beautiful thing in the world. And bitterness can cause you to do that. And that's what you're left with when you miss grace, is bitterness and resentment and frustration and anger. Contrary to almost everything that you hear, life is not about surviving till you die. Because you see, you're going to do that. I'll do that. I will survive till I die. And you will survive till you die. It's an amazing thing. It happens to every person on this planet. You've heard the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I would say that's true probably, I don't know, I don't know what, what percentage it would be, but it's at least true some of the time. What I see, though, is I see sometimes people go through tough things, you know. And again, remember what we talked about, that COVID is not the test. COVID is the lesson. How we respond afterwards is the test. And that's pretty much the way it is in anything in life. You can become, without grace, you can become a very bitter person. My uh, grandfather, Clifton Kelly, was like many of his generation. He was a survivor. Born in 1904, and just 
you know, think of the history that he survived, you know. He survived, he was the eldest of 13 children, 11 of whom uh, lived to adulthood. So he was the eldest of all these other kids and so on. He survived World War I, okay, with all the mess that was there. He survived the Great Depression, actually having children during the Great Depression and so on, trying to work odd jobs to make his way through it. He survived the steel mills of Pittsburgh and all the pollution that was down there and so on. He actually worked his way up to become an executive uh, position to an executive position in the U.S. Steel Tower in Pittsburgh. You know, he survived World War II, worked through the whole thing, worked crazy hours through the whole thing. He survived the Korean War and the Vietnam War and the assassination of JFK and Bobby and Martin Luther King. He survived riots. He survived, you know, um, <laughs> He survived hippies and yuppies. He, his life took him from inkwells, okay, to computers. And it took him from no flight to, you know, space flight. I mean, just you look at the expanse of his life and the, and the level of history that he lived through. He kind of survived cigarettes. He smoked, started smoking when he was pretty young, and he smoked the same brand to the same length and then lined up all the cigarette butts in the same glass ashtray until he died. He retired when he was 65, sat in one place on the couch and watched TV until he died. Tell you what he didn't survive or what didn't survive in his life, and that's grace. Genuine gratitude and kindness and love and generosity and faith and hope. For some reason, that didn't survive. He and my grandma got what would be called an emotional divorce, and it's where two people live in the same house for the optics of it and have separate bedrooms, and it's chilly all the time. I loved the man, I really did, you know, and I worked hard, you know, to build a relationship with him, especially later on in my life. And he wasn't a monster. You would never see him as a monster. Uh, in his last years, his, mid, uh, his later years, he wasn't mean-spirited. But I had no idea where he stood spiritually. And I felt led by God and by my own love and concern for him to write several letters to him, you know, and ask him where he was, which was kind of a bold thing to do, I think. And finally, in fact, just, you know, a few years before he died, he scrawled out a letter back. And he said, then in his early years, he said he had gone to church and he had been involved in the church, but he got very disillusioned, and it was one of the reasons why many people get disillusioned. It was graceless. That's what it was. It was graceless. And God is the source of both grace and gratitude. His closing in the letter, he said, Kenny, he said, every night I get on my knees by my bed, it was very vulnerable for him to say this, and I ask God to forgive me. And I believe he does. Well, I believe God did too. I do. God's kindness and grace, you see, is our only hope. It's our only hope of survival. So every year, you know, we went to his house, my grandma's house for Thanksgiving, you know. And every year, Thanksgiving, my dad would pray the Thanksgiving prayer. My grandfather, my grandpap, as I called him, would film it. But I don't think he ever really took it into his heart. And I just want to say, don't let bitterness, don't let resentment from what we've been through get into your heart and have a place in your relational world or in your life. See, here's what I think would be sad and pathetic. It's if you and I survived COVID-19, like we buy the t-shirt, you know, and and yet the, you know, the crisis turns us into vaxxers and anti-vaxxers and into idiots and non-idiots. Because, you know, 
people who survived a virus but missed the grace and the power and the kindness of God. You can hardly call that survival because it's not. Our hearts can get corrupted by cookies in a fear-filled culture that really doesn't believe that God has anything to do with life and that really doesn't believe that God has the power to bring us out of things like this. And we can escape COVID with clear lungs, you know, but end up crabby and divided and mean-spirited and resentful and bitter. And if that happens, have we, in fact, survived? Certainly not the way God would want us to. And so I just want to encourage you, how about if we reboot? How about if we embrace grace? What if we were to open our eyes, not to the you know, limitations that we've had over these last 19 months, but if we open our eyes to God and to his kindness and the fact that he always works behind the scenes and, and his promises that we will never be alone, that he is a healer, that he is filled with grace and kindness, that he comes looking for us when we lose our way. Those are the promises that we want to base our lives on. Big Fisherman said, these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. Share the character of God. Share what it is. Share his joy and his love and escape the world's corruption that's caused by human desires. May it be so. May God give us grace and may God give us grace filled and grateful hearts. Let's pray. God, we are grateful. Not that we've survived COVID because we're still not through it yet, but we're grateful that you've walked with us the whole way. We can't say that we're grateful for COVID at all, not at all, but we are grateful that it doesn't cancel out a single one of your promises. It doesn't cancel out part of what you want to do. You don't have to scratch your head and send angels, you know, down the sliding down the poles with flashing red lights in heaven because it's a crisis. You are at work everywhere. Help us to believe that. Help us to not let this whole thing corrupt our view of people. Help us to not let this thing make us unloving. Help it to make us more loving more patient and kind and filled with the fruit of the Spirit, which this world wants so desperately. Thank you. We're so grateful for your kindness and mercy. Amen.